0: Hello, I'm Paul Antley, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. June is Pride Month in remembrance of the 1969 Stonewall Uprising, in which Greenwich Village street people in Lower Manhattan fought back when police violently raided the Stonewall Inn and other village lesbian and gay bars. The riots are considered the fuse that lit the gay liberation movement and the fight for LGBT, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights in the U.S. The first Pride March was held in New York City on June 28, 1970. And now there are events around the country honoring and recognizing the role that lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender individuals have had on our history and culture. By the way, in this podcast, I'll sometimes use the acronym LBGT, and sometimes, but not always, include T and the question mark at the end. First, because not all the reference sources do, and secondly, well, perhaps by the time you're 60, you're no longer questioning? As is true with most social movements, the activist energy typically comes from the younger generations. But that got me thinking about the older LGBT populations and especially women who are gray and gay. What is the impact on them of a lifetime of being subjected to at least three prejudices, sexism, homophobia, and ageism? And what about gray and gay women of color who have also had to endure racism? The Goldson Institute in the University of Washington, that's Washington State School of Social Work is, quote, (coughs) dedicated to building a world where all ages, starting with older adults, thrive throughout their lives, unquote. Its mission is to, quote, strengthen the health, wellness, and longevity of resilient, underserved communities, unquote. And it does extensive work in the area of LGBTQ plus issues. According to the Goldson Institute, more than 2 million older adults in the U.S. self-identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual, a number that's expected to at least double by 2030, partly due to the increase in the aging population. The Institute's Aging with Pride Project, led by Principal Investigator Karen Fredrickson-Goldson, is a collaboration with community agencies serving LGBTQ plus older adults in every census division throughout the U.S. It's funded through a federal grant from the National Institutes of Health and the National Institute on Aging, and it's actually the first federally funded longitudinal national project designed to better understand the aging, health, and well-being of LGBTQ midlife and older adults, with an initial participation of more than 2,400 people, ranging in age from 50 to over 100. And in fact, new participants are now being accepted. Resources will be on the Worthy Facebook page. The executive summary of the Institute's Aging and Health Report starts out, quote, Aging and health needs of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender older adults are rarely addressed in services, policies, or research, even though diversity is a defining feature of our aging global population. Although there have been tremendous gains in health during the last century, many historically disadvantaged groups within our aging population continue to experience higher levels of illness, disability, and premature death. It's imperative to understand the diverse population of LGBT older adults in order to ensure a healthier aging population in the years to come. Some of the findings of this study are nearly one half have a disability and nearly one third report depression. Most LGBT older adults, 91% of them, engage in wellness activities Almost two thirds have been victimized three or more times. 13% have been denied health care or received inferior care. More than 20% do not disclose their sexual or gender identity to their physician. About one third do not have a will or durable power of attorney for health care. And the most needed services are senior housing, transportation, legal services, and social events. One of the more thought-provoking realities for me was that within this population, men tend to be more at risk than women. While both groups rely on friendships and social connections more than they do on family because of rejection and or the absence of biological children, as they age, gay and bisexual men are more likely to live alone and thus are at greater risk to suffer the adverse physical and mental repercussions of doing so. While the Goldson Institute doesn't focus specifically on people of color, the Aging with Pride study does address that fourth dimension, race, in addition to gender slash gender identity, age and sexuality. A 2017 NBC News online article, Black, Gay and Gray, points out the challenges of being a multifaceted target of discrimination Referencing black, older, and gay, the article says, quote, The sparse research available on this embattled group reveals chronic levels of discrimination, poverty, social isolation, and physical and mental health disparities. One-third of LGBTQ older adults live at or below 200% of the poverty level, including 40% of African American LGBTQ older adults. This is according to one groundbreaking report co-authored by Services and Advocacy for um, LGBT Elders, otherwise known as SAGE, which is the nation's oldest and largest advocacy group for LGBTQ elders. And the LGBTQ Think Tank Movement Advance Project, um, this report was released in May. And continuing to quote, Advocates attribute the economic disparities of black LGBTQ elders to long-standing race, age, and discrimination, which has been exacerbated by a lack of equal protection under the law and social stigma. Neglect and isolation are especially prevalent when their peers, the only support network many of them have due to family rejection, die off or age themselves, as research shows older LGBTQ adults are less likely to be partnered or married, or to have children uh, to depend on as caregivers. Unquote. That NBC news story also quotes Dr. Fredrickson Goldson of the Goldson Institute as saying African Americans reported the highest level of lifetime LGBTQ-related discrimination, and both American uh, excuse me African Americans and Hispanics reported lower levels of household income, education affirmation of their identities, and social support compared to non-Hispanic white LGBTQ older adults." End quote. Dr. Imani Woody is president and CEO of Mary's House for Older Adults in Washington, D.C. That's an organization dedicated to meeting the needs of LGBT elders, particularly SGLs. That stands for single gender loving. Um, and it's the term used in the African-American community. Their website says, quote, The vision for Mary's house for older adults is simple yet breathtaking. We envision a life for older lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and same-gender loving adults where housing fragility, food insecurity, poor health access, discriminatory care, social isolation, loneliness, and violence are relics of the past." That's their vision, that's not the reality. Dr. Woody has been quoted as saying, we've got LGBTQ status and age, so we really have two oppressions against us. And when you put race and gender on top of that, it just gets harder. It gets to a point where you wake up and say, hmm, which fight am I going to fight today? In the abstract of her study, Queer Aging, Older Lesbian, Gay, and Bisexual Adults' Visions of Late Life, Dr. Lisa R. Miller also cites the Goldson Institute study. From her research, quote, participants' visions of late life were laden with themes of resiliency and desires to adopt creative solutions for combating homophobic-related challenges that arise in long-term care homes. Participants specifically mentioned that they will instead turn to other LGB people to age in community or in place. A tendency to be inventive in the face of homophobic related challenges is not new and dates back to the HIV epidemic epidemic when LGB people embraced each other as family and a source of care in the absence of ties to biological family. However, This community-centered approach to care was not reported by participants as a deficit, but was instead viewed as a means through which joy could be found in late life. Miller goes on to say, similarly, other research on older LGB adults suggests that there are unique facets of queer subculture that prepare them well for the aging process. For example, the absence of gender norms that guide spousal care decisions among heterosexuals may actually benefit same-sex couples. Indeed, gays and lesbians often coordinate medical care together as they age. They also spend more time discussing end-of-life care plans. Also quoting from Miller, Using life story interview data, I offer a further articulation of queer aging, demonstrating that older LGB people's visions of late life are driven by queer culture, history, and experience. Although there are some shared features of aging experiences, for example, financial distress, opposition to staying in long-term care homes by older adults, irrespective of sexual identity, older LGB people's visions of late life also diverge in significant ways some evidence in support of cumulative inequality theories emerges as participants reported facing heightened financial challenges in late adulthood the meaning of older lgb adults aversion to staying in long care homes and subsequent preference for aging in place is also distinct participants indicate a desire to age in place and in community with the help of similar others consistent with a tendency in queer cultures to embrace interdependent approaches to care through a reliance on chosen family. Finally, some participants discuss a desire to pursue assisted suicide, challenging mainstream values about living a long life." So, what is needed in terms of public policy for aging gays? The Goldson study says, quote, compared with the older population in general, LGBT older adults have higher rates of disability, mental distress, and living alone. Addressing the aging and health needs of LGBT older adults requires a comprehensive approach to transform public policies, services, education, and research. So the Goldson study goes on to recommend in the area of policy to advocate for the Older Americans Act to target social and health services and programs toward LGBT older adults, address the distinctive aging and health needs within the LGBT older adult population, ensure the economic security of LGBT older adults and their loved ones, amend the federal Family and Medical uh, Leave Act extend coverage beyond those related by blood or marriage. Educate LGBT older adults, caregivers, and providers about the support services that are available. Um, Enforce or enact the National Family Caregiver Support Act. Protect the safety and security of LGBT older adults. Advocate for protection from discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity in employment, housing, and public accommodations, and fully prosecute hate crimes based on sexual orientation, gender identity, and age. In the area of services, recommended steps are create comprehensive aging and health services for LGBT older adults by by fostering partnerships between LGBT uh, aging agencies. Ensure services for LGBT older adults, target those living alone, identify successful programs and policies addressing the aging and health needs of these older adults, prioritize the needs of older adults in LGBT organizations and communities, and participate in local, state, and federal planning processes to secure resources for needed service developments, including housing, transportation, and support services. Resources for LGBT elders. I mentioned before SAGE as being the nation's oldest organization for LGBTQ plus elders. It's been offering advocacy services since 1978. The organization operates the National Resource Center on LGBTQ plus aging. And one of its services is its hotline managed by United Way Worldwide which connects LGBTQ plus older people to friendly responders. The toll-free number is 877-LGBT, which is 5428. The hotline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week in English and Spanish with translation in 180 languages. Also, for more detailed information and statistics on graying gays, take a look at the Movement Advance Project report, it's also known as MAP, Understanding Issues Facing LGBT Older Adults, conducted in collaboration with SAGE. And the American Psychological Association, the APA, has an office on sexual orientation and gender diversity, which in turn has a subtopic on aging LGBTs and guidelines, including a fact sheet for psychologists uh, working with patients in that population. But studies and reports and papers and guidelines aside, there's nothing like the personal statement for laying it out as it really is. Here's how writer Chris, C-R-I-S, Beam, concludes her April 7th, 2023, New York Times guest essay, There is no roadmap for an aging lesbian. Quote, It's hard not having a road map. After all, if we stop being seen as sexual at middle age, then how can we be seen for our sexuality? Straight women are still accurately marked as the wives or mothers that they are. There's a place for them in the popular imagination. But we lesbians get misidentified. We become our partners' moms or sisters or friends, and I cannot bear it. I've built a whole life now proudly marking my tracks as a queer person, standing out. And I don't know what it means to suddenly blend. Maybe I've got it all wrong and and aging is the great unifier. Maybe there isn't a queer lens on getting old because it doesn't matter all that much when the stakes begin to shift. Of course, it's important to have your partner visit you in the hospital to be treated with dignity for the life you've lived, but also we all go toe-to-toe with our mortality and there's simply nothing gay or straight about that. I wonder if I'm looking for a queer answer to a universal problem. And still, I know there is a specifically queer angle to all of this. I'm not just afraid of growing old but also of losing the self that I knew. I'm not only afraid of being misrecognized, but also of not comprehending myself. As I prepare in the years to come to grow more frail or to forego my agency, memory, or ability, I also forego my identity in a world eager to erase me. Thanks so much for listening. Resources will be listed on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. Have a great week. You've been listening to Woman Worthy. We'll talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paul Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.